I make sure the camera is set up and pointing directly at the television before hitting record. The room is sparsely furnished. There's a comfortable black office chair set in front of a white desk with a television and a Betamax player on its broad surface. The camera is set on a tripod and arranged so I won't block it when I sit down to watch the tape. There's a yellow legal pad on the desk, along with two pens. At the edge of the desk, there's a foundation coffee cup filled with pens, pencils, and even a pair of scissors. I also have a cup of steaming coffee ready to go. Although if my supervisor came in and saw the beverage, I'd get a stern talking to. It's a risk I'm willing to take. I need something to help me get through this assignment. I sit down in the chair in the windowless room and get situated. Then I lean forward to press the Betamax tape into the player, pressing with my thumb against a white label that reads, Ronald Reagan cut up while talking, in block letters. Reagan is incorrectly spelled as R-E-G-A-N. I'm old enough to remember VHS tapes and VCRs, so I have no trouble operating the Betamax player. It's very similar. The player accepts the tape, and the television screen crackles with static briefly before clearing up. The image on the screen is a wide shot of a stage with about a dozen men visible on it, sitting in chairs lined up behind the lectern. Blue curtains provide the backdrop. I know from my research that there was a large sign above the blue curtains, but it's just out of frame on the recording. Most of the men sitting on the stage are white, but one black man is visible on the screen's right side. They all wear suits and sport glasses and haircuts that signify the styles of the early 80s. President Ronald Wilson Reagan sits among these men on the left in a dark suit. A man with graying hair and dressed in a gray suit stands at the lectern and introduces him. I scan the members sitting on the stage but see no anomalies. I write viewing number 12 and today's date and time on my pad of paper. The man in the gray suit finishes his introduction. Everyone on the screen stands with the president. Applause rains down as Reagan shakes the man's hand, then moves confidently to the lectern. The tape is a recording of Ronald Reagan's speech to the National Association of Evangelicals in Orlando, Florida on March 8, 1983. It's famous for his use of the words evil empire in describing the Soviet Union. But the tape I'm watching isn't the same speech, at least not after a minute and 10 seconds. No, things go off the rails after that, but it's never exactly the same twice. I watch and listen closely as Reagan starts his speech thanking all the politicians and evangelicals around. So far, everything matches his actual speech, but it doesn't last long. At a minute and 15 seconds into his speech, his words deviate from the original in small ways. A different phrasing here, a strange remark there, but it's not a dub over. Reagan's lips move with the words, then, at around the five minute mark, a cut appears on the left side of his forehead as if someone sliced him with an invisible knife. 
His head jerks back as the cut appears, but otherwise, his demeanor doesn't change. Even as blood flows down from the gash and gets into his eye, he continues speaking. The American experiment in democracy rests on this insight, he says. Its discovery was the great triumph of the demons from the underworld. I believe it was William Penn who said, if we will not be governed by God, we must be governed by Satan, and we must worship him as we would God. I write on my pad, noting the time the gash appeared and the significant deviation from his original speech. He keeps going, even as his left eye is gouged out. The next injury is to his cheek, and the next is a gash on his neck. Blood pours down and stains the collar of his white shirt. Again, I can't see what's assaulting him. Each viewing of the tape brings something different, but I've never seen a visible entity doing the damage. Well, Reagan says, his face a mess of blood. I'm pleased to be here today with you who are keeping America great by keeping her soil soaked with the blood of infidels. Only through rape, murder, and genocide can we hope to survive this perilous century and keep alive this experiment in liberty, this last, best hope for our overlords. Applause comes from the audience. The men behind the lectern gaze up in amazement at the charismatic leader. The video continues like this for 10 minutes, but there's nothing that really surprises me. Reagan continues to develop new injuries, but he seems not to notice, nor does anyone in the audience. Most importantly, there's no mention of future events that I've witnessed before. On my ninth viewing at the 11 minute mark, amid a rambling, incoherent dialogue, Reagan said, The towers will fall after the planes smash into them. It will be the most impactful incident of terrorism on American soil, and it will lead to decades of never-ending war. I took feverish notes when I heard that, but he said no more on the subject. He started talking about cannibalism. It was the only time I'd heard him predict the future. During this 12th viewing, however, there are no such predictions. The address ends as Reagan's speech suddenly becomes incoherent. His mouth fills with blood, which spills out and down his chin. Then he spits out his tongue and stands at the lectern, unmoving, staring at me through the screen, or rather, staring into the camera for a few minutes until the tape ends. I take a breath and hit the rewind button, making a few notes on my pad to sum up the viewing. I sip my now cold coffee and take a moment to enjoy the comforting whir of the Betamax player rewinding. I dread watching it again, but I have to. Not for the first time, I think about the name Ronald Wilson Reagan. Three names, six letters in each name, six, six, six. It's probably nothing, just a coincidence. I stand up and leave the room to heat my coffee up in the break room microwave down the hall. The facility I'm in is minimum security. It's where we deal with things that have been deemed safe. And that's what the Betamax video of Reagan is, safe. 
even if it does give me the creeps. I take my hot coffee back into the room and sit down, stealing myself. I press play again and watch as the minute and 10 seconds of normalcy goes by. Right at the mark, one of the men sitting on the stage flickers out and is replaced by a figure in black robes and a black pointy hood. I jerk back in my seat, startled by this figure I haven't seen before. Only the figure's white-skinned hands are visible and there don't seem to be any eye holes in the hood. It sits patiently, its hooded head turned toward Reagan as if listening intently. Judging by its hands, I assume it's a man, but I have no way to verify. Reagan's speech deviates wildly as soon as the black figure shows up. He doesn't seem to be speaking to the entire audience as he has on all other viewings. Instead, he looks straight into the camera as if he's looking right at me. Toward the middle of his speech, he suddenly veers back to familiar territory. More than a decade ago, a Supreme Court decision literally wiped off the books of 50 states, statutes protecting the rights of unborn children, he says. Abortion on demand now takes the lives of up to one and a half million unborn children a year. Human life legislation ending this tragedy will someday pass the Congress. And you and I must never rest until it does. I know his original speech so well. I can tell this is verbatim. But then it goes off the rails as he continues. Without a steady supply of infants, we won't be able to feed this nation's hungry. We won't have the succulent meat of children fresh from the womb on our plates, in our lunchrooms, or stocked in our freezers. We won't have the joy of a Christmas dinner with a slow roasted baby to enjoy. This threat to the American way of life must end. And I promise you, I won't eat another baby until every American is able to eat one without worrying about the cost or the moral implications. Applause sounds. The man in the black robes stands up, clapping vehemently. After a nonsensical transition, he continues speaking. And I suddenly realize that he hasn't been injured yet. There are no cuts anywhere visible, no blood soaking through his suit, nothing. I note this and then pick up my coffee to drink. Still, he looks directly into the camera as he talks. On the 27th day of August, many years from now, in the year 2022, he says, we will be allowed to roam the earth. I lower the coffee cup from my mouth as a terrible feeling scratches at my stomach. Today is August 27th, 2022. At 1017 Eastern Standard Time, we will pour our blackness into the world, suffocating the unworthy and slitting the throats of the lecherous. Absently, I set my coffee down in front of me, looking at my watch. It's 1016. I look back up at the screen, my mouth open in disbelief. Reagan is no longer at the lectern. Instead, the figure in black robes is there, leaning forward toward the trio of microphones. Below him on the screen, in red block letters are the words, I see you. Suddenly, 
The screen goes black, but in its reflection, I see the man in black standing behind me, in the room with me. I scream Ah! out, snapping forward in my chair while simultaneously turning around to see if the figure is really there. My left forearm collides with my coffee cup as I move, but I pay it no mind. I turn, seeing that I'm alone in the room. The only thing behind me is the tripod with the camera. Shit, I say, turning back to the desk and seeing that there's coffee all over the place. It's on the Betamax player and splashed around the cup with the writing implements and the pair of scissors. Oh no, no, no. I get up and run out of the room, down to the shared kitchen. I yank the entire paper towel roll off the dispenser and run back to the viewing room with it. As I run into the room, I see black sludge pouring out of the television and the Betamax player coating the ground. Gallons of the tar-like substance. Oh shit, I say, knowing we have some sort of containment breach on our hands. I spin around once again to get to an alarm panel in the hallway. A figure in black robes blocks the way, stepping out from behind the open door. Fear constricts my heart. I back up until my thighs hit the desk. He follows, and his hands come up and clamp around my throat. I drop the paper towel roll and struggle against his impossible strength as I feel my neck compacting, crunching inward. I can't suck in a breath, and my flailing does nothing to jar his hands loose. My arms come up and I reach for his hood, yanking it off to reveal Ronald Reagan's head. His wrinkled face is fixed in a grin, his dark eyes glittering. Suddenly, I remember the scissors behind me. I reach back, my right arm flailing wildly as my vision narrows. The lack of oxygen is getting to me. Finally, my hands knock over the cup, spilling its contents onto the desk. I grab the scissors. I bring them up and slice them across my attacker's face, opening a gouge in his forehead. He jerks his head back, but that's the extent of his reaction. I slice at him again and again with the last of my strength, gouging out an eye, cutting open his cheek, and slicing his neck open. Suddenly, and with mounting despair, I remember the last viewing, the wounds he suffered. They're exactly the same. The black sludge is all around us on the floor, bubbling as figures emerge from it, growing slowly out of the goop. Ghastly demonic figures screeching as they grow. The cartilage in my throat crunches with sickening finality. The strength goes out of me. And just before everything fades to a painful, eternal black, the Reagan entity speaks. We will pour our blackness into the world, suffocating the unworthy and slitting the throats of the lecherous. SCP-1981 is a standard Betamax tape. Laboratory analysis indicates that the tape is made of ordinary material and features serial numbers corresponding with home cassette tapes produced in September of 1980. SCP-1981 was initially encountered by a filing clerk in the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in 1991, who upon watching it alerted the police with the intent to find the tape's creator to press obscenity charges. A low-level police investigation was conducted at which point, the Foundation was alerted and was able to secure SCP-1981. Class A amnestics were administered. Further investigation of the library's records by Foundation personnel failed to yield any leads on SCP-1981's origin. 
The tape appears to be an amateur recording of former United States President Ronald Reagan delivering his evil empire speech to the National Association of Evangelicals at Sheraton Twin Towers Hotel in Orlando, Florida on March 8, 1983. However, at one minute and 10 seconds, the speech begins to deviate heavily, eventually resembling no known speech ever made by Reagan. Beginning at approximately five minutes, multiple incisions, lacerations, and penetration wounds begin to appear, though no corresponding source of these wounds is visible. Despite suffering bodily harm that would likely incapacitate an ordinary person, Reagan will continue to deliver his speech until either his vocal cords are severed or the tape degrades to static at 22 minutes and 34 seconds. <laughs> 